Hey, everybody, it's Star Wars Episode 4, and you hope. No, wait. <laughs> I wish it were all over again, and I hadn't seen it before, and it was going to be my first time. God, That's right. what a magical moment. Because, yeah, what followed was scary. Speaking of scary. <laughs> See how we did that? Yes, it's Halloween. Wait, did we even introduce the show properly? No, it's we did not. It's then again with Ken and Glenn. Uh, Halloween edition. Uh, or at least we're going to talk about Halloween. We're going to talk about Halloween and how it... Is this interesting thing? It's now a pop culture phenomenon that you simply cannot get away from until the middle of October when Christmas comes. But that's a whole other story. Wait, Christmas, the middle of October. If you don't believe Christmas? me, look in Walmart's and Hobby oh, Lobby's okay. all across the here's, land. Here's the thing about about Halloween. And Glenn and I were actually prepping beforehand. Sometimes we do prep for these things, and uh, my prep consisted of saying to Glenn, "I have nothing to say about Halloween, except you know, folks, we like to talk about." cultural appropriation here in our modern enlightened age and, and how it's bad and you shouldn't culturally appropriate. Anyone who believes that, you can never celebrate Halloween again because Halloween is nothing but one huge, as practiced today, one huge ball of cultural appropriation, layer after layer, century after century, religion after religion. Culture after culture. After culture know. after culture, one might say, and just did. Well done, Glenn. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, Halloween, of course, has pagan origins, you know, pre-Christian church origins. It's it's seasonal. It's it's one of the it's one of the four cardinal points of the year, corresponding to the fall equinox and then the harvest and all that sort of thing. And as the Christian Church expands, as we all know, anyone who's even casually studied the Catholic Church, when they come across pagan beliefs and pagan holidays, you know they know how to brand. Hey, they already like that. Let's find a way to incorporate that into the church. And so the Feast of All Saints is a great way to incorporate that. And the night before, or the eve, before the Feast of All Saints, all the hallowed saints, All Hallows' Eve becomes Halloween. And so, you know, that's literally how the first layer of appropriation begins, is is finding a way, the, the medieval and early Christian church, finding a way to incorporate these pagan and Celtic rituals into their church year, their calendar year of, of feasts and honoring saints and all the things. Right. And actually, just to take a little side jump off of what you're talking about, the Christian church, especially, for example, with Halloween, believe it or not, folks, when Christianity spread throughout Europe and all the places that it did in those early days, it was fairly bloodless. As you said, they had a great marketing plan, yeah. and they were able to go out, and <laughs> it was more a convincing right. than a bloody con- bloody conversions. Very rarely happen in the early Christian in the early Christian era, and and Halloween is one of those where they're like, we should do this thing too. Only instead of doing your ceremony here, why don't we have it over here? And instead of saying this name, why don't you say that yeah. name? And it's a slow process where it really works. One thing is. It's always in the fall, right? Uh, around the harvest time, and again, the all the saints. November first is All Saints Day, and before that, when you start getting into the, the pre-Christian Celtic beliefs, where right. the pathway between the worlds is open. It's not always between life and death. It's sometimes it's between the fairy world and the not fairy world, right? And things right. like that. And Glenn, you are—I uh, gotta jump in here. You're you're, you're actually illustrating something that I think is perfect, because a lot of people point to the Dio de Muertos and the Latin American traditions mingling with the Catholic Church. Well, guess what? The Celtic traditions did the exact same way and much for much the same reasons and for much the same mindset of the people then as there are now. <clears throat> and that's the great thing, is so Halloween becomes a time 
that's tied into the Christian church, and then it slowly, because of this portal to different worlds, takes on this ethereal, otherworldly appearance, and then the costumes start mm-hmm. and the ceremony starts until skip a millennium until <laughs> 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 you get to where you know. Well, it's a, we, but it's a slow build. It I is. Mean, it's I mean, a very. There's, there's it's a, a very, very slow build. There's a very long amalgamation. A very, a very long build. I mean, it, it takes all of these centuries for. You know, once Europe is solidified with this belief and this particular festival of the Christian church is happening, and several more centuries happen before others come in, but each time, I think, even throughout the Middle Ages and the Renaissance and those periods before we get to the early modern world and modern world, each time it expands out in another concentric circle, you know, from, you know, first it's the Celtic peoples that were living on the fringes or in part of the Roman Empire. Then it's, you know, whoever comes after that, the Lithuanian snake worshippers in the 1200s, you know, <laughs> li- literally another aspect is it incorporated into what that holiday, holy day is so so i mean there's a reason it takes a thousand years and yeah you know there's and there's also just the sheer geographic expansion of the nations that are christian you know until we get to like you say the modern right. world and 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 you know the the protestant reformation and and the the puritan movements and things like that right. do begin to see the evil right. in halloween and the threat of demonic possession and right. and all these things on the day when the devil has the most power and, yet, and all these things and yet People still like those folk beliefs. They're still handed down, and they still are finding ways and, and to that, get in. That's a good point because what Halloween really is, even today, is it has its roots roots in those folk beliefs. Yes, it's about non-standard stories. Let's say, <laughs> maybe even scary stories that you could tell in the dark. That you can tell in the dark. We'll come back to that in a second. But but it, but it's these folk tales and traditions, and lots of folk traditions involve weird costumes on certain days right. and things like that and and specific ceremonies and and weird things to leave offerings out for spirits and things like that and from that you get that the Halloween costumes right. you right. get going from door to door to get candy and and things like that and and pranks right, quite frankly right. and pranks against people you the, like or don't like as the case may be and the costume thing i think is fascinating because what you've got is whatever culture had its specific and it wasn't a costume; it was a ceremonial garb you would put on for this holy day. Right. And once you remove the holy meaning behind the holy garb, now it is just a costume. And so now, you know, like when you start talking about the, let's say, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and into the 1900s, people looking around, oh, well, they used to wear costumes for Halloween, so let's wear a costume. It's like, well, actually, they used to wear holy garb to venerate. Costumes. They were no, costumes. Exactly. Because, that's, because now, you, now you've secularized what was once universally ritualized. Exactly. That's, yeah. a, that's a very good way to put it. And so now, as those concentric rings build and it becomes a secularized celebration, more people take part in it. And so then the commercialization starts, as right, always. Right, But along with the commercialization becomes the wider popularity. And with the wider popularity, it's still those roots in mm-hmm. folk tales because what does Halloween and scary stuff give rise to? But one of the most popular genres of the late 20th and early 21st century, horror films. Horror, exactly. Golly bum. Pe- yeah, yeah. I, I, I will confess I've never been as big a fan of those as many right. people have. But... They're huge. Right, right. Not a fan either. Horror films are absolutely huge. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And and here's something that's interesting to me. As we've all, and this is just a pet theory that I'm developing right now on the spot. Uh, (laughs) So, 
It's not really until the 20th century that at least in America and probably worldwide, definitely in America, United States, that you have the majority of the population move from living in a rural setting to living in an urban setting. Before the 20 before the early 20th century, most Americans lived in the country, yep. not the city. So they were probably more in touch with the this is a ritual or a celebration about nature and harvest aspect of things than their city counterparts were. And as that slowly switched in the 20th century, and once again, I'm just talking off the top of my head here, it makes sense to me that one of the reasons we see Halloween become more important is there is no more fall harvest ritual or celebration that actually means something to means you means an actual personally. harvest, Exactly. Yes. But there's something in us, you know, we've still evolved to this world that we live in. Our body still responds to the amount of sunlight changing right. and the days getting different lengths and the weather being... There's so, I, I think there's something in us that still wants to do this thing in, in the autumn or fall in that equinox period. And now there's not anything that's relevant to our lives to do if, if it's a harvest. But hey, here's this thing we've kind of been doing. Let's go all in on Halloween. Right. And by God, we have. And, and that's just because you're, you're right, because the whole harvest, the, the festivals and all these things yeah. happen usually in October. Yeah. And, and so as a culture, especially even in the urban culture, we do those things that celebrate harvest time and fall and leaves and pumpkins and all those sorts of things. Right. And to finish it off, the great big finish for fall, what is it? October 31st, yep. Halloween. Yep. It's the grand crowning achievement of fall. Fe- I mean, it is. It's <laughs> it the is. grand crowning achievement of fall festivals, and that's when it happens. That's when you you get your costumes ready, you dress up, you have your pumpkin pies, you go trick-or-treating. Right. And because of the of the spread of pop culture about what that, starting all the way back in the you know the 50s, yeah. the great pumpkin and all yeah, those yeah, things yeah. and going trick-or-treating. So even those urban traditions of going door-to-door-to-door trick-or-treating start to ooze, <laughs> I'll use the Halloween word, ooze, into the rural areas. And I will, I will tell you the personal experience that I had with that. So watching, <laughs> I, think, I may have told you this before, watching all these kids go trick-or-treating on the TV uh-huh. at the dead end of Hogback Road, the dirt road where I grew where up. You grew up, yeah. Still wanted to go trick-or-treating, but there was no one for miles, right? <laughs> exactly. and, and to go trick-or-treating, we had to get in a car and drive 20 miles away to see my grandparents, and, and we would get a bag of candy. So <laughs> my mom and my dad, bless their hearts, I love this. I will treasure this until the day I die. We, the three, me and my two brothers would go outside in our costumes with our trick or treat buckets, and we would go around to the back door and knock on it. And mom and dad would pretend to be someone else, and we would trick or treat, and they'd throw a candy in our bucket and close the door, and it would be a race to see who could get to the front door first before we could knock on it, and they would pretend to be someone else. You have just given me an idea for a real horror movie where, let's say it's you, your character, I'm pitching this, you and your brother, it's the characters, these two everyman kids. This is the, it's, it's their, they went every year, they go to the back door or knock, and this time it really is someone different. Ah! Where's mom and dad? You run back to the front. They're not there either. Now it's a black portal to hell. You're in some kind of limbo world, and you've got to make it back to your own home. There you go, Hollywood. I'm waiting for your call. The copyright's mine because I lived it. <laughs> that's um, right. But, Original story by Glenn Kyle. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. But that, but that was so much. And that was so much fun, and we did that. We did that for several years. Right, right. Because trying to fit in with that that cultural activity. 
of Halloween, right? Making it our very own. Well, you know, and you mentioned the move, the movie. You mentioned the Great Pumpkin, which I assume you're, it was a Charlie Brown reference. There are many festive holiday gourds. <laughs> there, are, there aren't just pumpkins. I mean, and, and, and I mean, literally, there are many, many gourds that are actually harvested for consumption because you know you can eat them. That's, that's right. Exactly. That's the thing. But I, I, I wonder how much specifically that Charles Schultz. Charlie Brown Halloween special. It's the great pumpkin. Charlie Brown has to do with pumpkins coming to be. It it's just pumpkins. I mean, right? You know, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, a dissertation I, I, or at least I a paper out there somewhere. I think the time frame's about right for for the great pumpkin to have influenced people to expect. Oh, it's pumpkins. That's what we put out this time of year. Right. Some of these lesser gourds, sure, but now it's now it's all about pumpkins. What are we going to do with all these pumpkins? I, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now, and that segues into since since it's Halloween, and we're talking horror, we're talking pumpkins. One of the few, well, you know, I guess back in the day, I, see if I watched more often than I do now. But one of my favorites, all time favorites, horror movies, Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Pumpkinhead. Pumpkin Lance Heinrichson, you know him as the alien in uh, in uh, Aliens. No, not the alien, the android who helps save uh, Ripley and company in Aliens, the sequel to Alien. Uh, Lance Heinrichson plays this country doctor guy. Son gets hit by a hit-and-run driver of college kids from the local whatever. <laughs> from the local whatever. <laughs> And uh, and so he wants he wants to wreak revenge upon these college kids. So he goes to the old conjure woman, and she shows him how to summon Pumpkinhead. And he has to go to this, you know, old. It's just, it's just shot, just be- it's over the top, but shot beautifully. But a simple, it's a simple story of revenge and summoning a demon to get your revenge. I mean, and and, and if that's not a universal timeless story, well, what it, it is? actually it actually kind of is. This whole thing of visiting the sacred spot at the sake on the sacred festival to address the wrong that has been done. Yes, I, I mean, mean, I it mean, is. my God, that is in so many. And so, so you know, Heinrichson summons Pumpkinhead, and and it's just beautifully realized. This is this great big tall spindly creature with a great big huge Pumpkinhead, and it it takes care of business for him. <laughs> Now, the problem is there were a couple of people in this group of whatever, five or six college-age people that were actually kind of like, no, no, we've got to go back and help the kid. No, we're not going to. They're, in effect, innocent, and he realizes that as the thing goes on. So now he has to stop the very creature but, he has put in motion. But can you? But can, Exactly. Well, yeah, I won't spoil the ending, but there's a way. Uh, <laughs> But but Lance Heinrichson has to pay the price. Oh, uh, no. So anyway, watch that movie, Pumpkinhead. But that's what's cool about that. Like I say, it's it's that movie. I think in in a lot of ways, and it's it, it symbolic of everything we're talking about today. This these cultural appropriations or these layers of cultural uh, assimilation or congruence or confluence. There we go. Let's say yeah. confluence. It's looking to an Appalachian ghost story because Pumpkinhead is an Appalachian ghost story. Yeah. So it's looking to this Appalachian ghost story, but it's also getting the trope of the modern horror movie trope of, ah, oh, the teens have done something and now they're going to die one by one. What could be more American trope than that? Oh, the teens. For these, for these American horror stories. So you've got that, you've got that. And it's also hearkening back, as we just said, to literally thousands of years of 
summoning the demon on the day at the place. I mean, right. <laughs> and, and and yet it's and and you know people watch that movie to this day. I mean, you know, Lance Henriksen's popular guy. The Pumpkinhead is one of those movies that people watch at Halloween, and and so there it is, part of the process too, part of this this grand century upon century of piling on of of the religious and the secular. That we now call, you know, America's favorite holiday going into Christmas. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and to be honest, it is my my actual favorite public holiday because I can— And that's a great—exactly. It's a public holiday. It's a secular holiday. Yeah. And I would much rather go around and see the Halloween decorations in people yards than the Christmas <laughs> decorations because a lot of them can become incredibly interesting. Yes. From the plain old, uh, you know, single foam tombstone right. to the incredible— Another place we used to live, this uh, family would put together a huge haunted house uh-huh. every Halloween night, and that's what they just loved it. And then, of course, the entire neighborhood looked forward all year long right. to them doing their haunted house, which encompassed the front yard, the backyard, part of their house. Right. They would dig like grave-sized holes in the front yard <laughs> to make all these things. It was, it you know, was I glorious. Did, I did grave-sized holes on occasion, but we can't really get into that right now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyway, that's probably about all the time we've got, except we should probably mention, since we've mentioned scary stories and telling them in the dark earlier in our podcast, that this very week here at the Northeast Georgia History Center on Friday and Saturday night, we'll be doing uh, a reader's theater of scary stories called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, Libba's going to be part of it. She's over there editing our pot. Yes, there you hear her in the background. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a talented cast of, 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 of you focal, a few local, I said a few focal lokes, a few local <laughs> folks. <laughs> Me, Libba, Matt, and Victor. Uh, you know us all from Family Day. Uh, so come on out. Oh, and, and Dan, of course, on the piano. Uh, so come on out and see that. This uh, Libba, how much does that cost? Well, it's, uh, we, it's a suggested donation of 5 to 10, but no one will be turned away. Suggested donation of 5 to 10, but nobody will be turned away. I repeated that just in case they couldn't hear you. So there you go. So, so bye, everybody. Boo. Bye. <laughs> then Again with Ken and Glenn is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. If you've enjoyed listening to Then Again with Ken and Glenn, please make sure that you subscribe and help us out by writing a review. To learn more about the Northeast Georgia History Center, visit www.negahc.org.